Good morning. I'm, I'm excited about being up here this morning. Uh, this morning I was talking to Skip Russell and he said, Josh, you're going to keep it short? And I said, uh, I said, I said, that's my plan. And he said, uh, he said, well, good. He said, brevity is right, right next to godliness. And I said, well, I said, I'm going to do my best to, uh, to keep it at that. And then I thought it was going to be very, very, very short because I was leaving. Uh, it's been a chaotic morning. All right. I'm fixing to have to get in my groove and get to going because I was started youth connection groups off and I went to go get something out of my truck and I turned and my blue jeans hung on my truck. And the next thing you know, I split them wide open. And, and, and for your sake, you didn't want me to stand up here with my split out pants and drawers hanging out. And, uh, and so I made a flying trip to my house and threw some pants on and I got here just in time. And, uh, and it's all good. Uh, I'm excited. I, I like getting up here and speaking and, and, uh, and, and throwing out a challenge that God has given me personally. And um, that's what we're going to look at this morning. You know, last week we celebrated Christmas. And, and the way that Christmas works at our house is Santa Claus brings some gifts. And then Janelle and I, my, my wife Janelle and I, will give Addie a couple of gifts. And one of the gifts that, I, that my wife and I gave her was a dollhouse. And... Uh, and I always kind of my I've just have gotten into this dad thing, you know, in the last four years. And now I've really started when you're buying baby toys, everything comes put together. It's all in a little box and it's all good. And last year I had my first experience of putting stuff together and uh, and it was terrible. And, and it just it's like it ruins Christmas. You know, it's just it's horrible. And uh, and all I had to do really last year was put wheels on a little truck. And a little four-wheeler, plastic four-wheeler. And so I was like, you know, a dollhouse. I really, to be honest, maybe it was just in my ignorance, but I thought that they would come put together. Because the kid's playing with it and having a good time, you know, on the box. And, and, but little did I know when Janelle brought it in the house and said, Josh, it's time for you to do this. The, the dollhouse is four or five feet tall, and it came in a box about this big. And I was like, something is not adding up. So for the next four hours... I sat piecing little stickers on the places and putting screw Z into hole DD and, 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 and just going on and on. And, and it just got, it got worse and it got worse and it got worse. And the whole time, I couldn't even use the instructions. The instructions are supposed to make things simple, aren't they? I mean, that's the whole plan is to show you how to do something. And, and, and this is a color. Everything is color coded. Now, get the, get the genius of this. Everything on this dollhouse is color-coded, right? So make it easy. The instructions are in black and white. It's like, whatever engineer, he did it on purpose. He was like, these dads are going to put this dollhouse together, and then they're going to bang their head up against the wall the whole time that they're doing it. The whole time, all I could use was the front of the box that had the little girl playing with it and to put it together. And the whole time I'm thinking, this little girl is having such a good time playing with this dollhouse, and her dad is laying in a puddle of tears in the background somewhere, and, and the mom is feeding him Xanax, trying to get him just to calm down because he's just destroyed. Um, life is supposed to be simple, um, but it's, it's, it's not most of the time. Um, but I believe with everything in me that, that, that God designed the outline, the format for Christianity to be something simple for people to wrap their heads around and to move forward with. Now, that doesn't, I'm not saying when I say that, I'm not saying that the Christian life 
is simple in action because there's some really difficult times. But the process on how to carry it out, I believe that God designed for it to be very simple in nature so that it could be passed on. You got to realize, you know, a hundred years ago, a lot of people are 150 years ago. Most people didn't have Bibles, much less 2,000 years ago. And so this was carried on to where, but, but, but God still planned for people to live a Christian life. And, and so I think that what we do sometimes is because we feel like there's got to be more, 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 that we try to make the Christian life more, more, more complicated. And if we make it more complicated in our minds, it means that we're doing a, a better job at living it out. What I'm going to try to do this morning, this is just a passage that I've been, I've been kind of reading through this, and this was just kind of a part of my quiet time about, I don't know, three or four weeks ago. And, and it just spoke very, very strongly to me. Um, if you want to be flipping over there, we'll get there in a second. It's in Acts chapter 20. Um, but when I was reading this passage and going through and looking at it, one thing that I, one thing that I realized is, is, is this every single phrase spoke to me. I'm going to kind of set up what's going on in Acts chapter 20. Paul is traveling, and he's headed to Jerusalem. And, I, and I'll tell you, I've read this passage, I don't know how many tens of times, and it's, and it's never stood out. It's, a, it's, a pretty, it's kind of tucked, in the, tucked into Acts there, and I've never spoken on it, and I don't know that I've ever heard a sermon on it. But, uh, but it's pretty profound stuff going on. Paul is headed to Jerusalem, and uh, he wants to talk to the church leaders in Ephesus, the people that he had kind of helped and teamed up with. And he wants to speak to them, but for whatever reason, he doesn't want to go to Ephesus. He doesn't feel like it. he needs to go to Ephesus. And so what he ends up doing, because he wants to share, talk to them, because he knows that he's not going to see them again. And so he sends word for them to come to him. And that's where we pick up in verse 17. It says, But when we landed in Miletus, he sent a message to the elders of the church at Ephesus, asking them to come down to meet with him. When they arrived, he declared, You know that from the day I set foot in the province of Asia until now, I have done the word of the Lord's work humbly. Yes, with tears, I have endured the trials that come, uh, that came to me from the plots of the Jews. Let me explain where we're going with this morning. Paul is talking to them for one last time. He knows that he's not going to see them again. And he wants to give them some final instructions. Some last words face-to-face on how to do the Christian life. How to be leaders in the church. How to how to carry things out. And in and, and this passage that we're going to look at, it's not, he's not saying, I want you to do this, and I want you to do this, and I want you to do this. He's saying, I have done this, I have done this, and I have done this. And I believe with everything in me that he's given them, he's leading by example, and he's showing them, this is what I've done, and this is how I want you to carry this Christian life out. We're fixing to walk into 2014. And... My hope and prayer, I'm just going to speak for myself. My hope and my prayer for myself is that I do everything in my power to live simply, but to live simply 100% fully for Christ. 
That is, that, is, that is what I desire for my life, is to live simply, but to live simply focused on what Christ desires for me. And, and, and I, hope that that is, I hope that's all of our goal in this, uh, in this room. The first thing that I would say, and we're, the notes are going to be a little different. I'm going to explain them. The first three things that Paul says to these leaders at Ephesus are dealing, I call it like a horizontal. Hey, it's dealing man-to-man. The first three things that we're going to talk about are dealing man-to-man interaction. And so it's kind of on a horizontal playing field, and you'll see how, kind of how the notes come up. And, it, and it's going to be a little bit non-traditional how your notes usually play out. But I encourage you, if you are taking notes, to, I think it will help you to write it out like it's going to come on the screen because it will help you get the big picture of what's going on. The first thing, it says, you know that from that day I've set foot in the province of Asia until now I have done the work, Lord's work humbly, yes, with tears. The first thing that I would tell you that Paul has done and he is going to continue to do and I think should be our goal is to serve others. To take an honest look and say, I'm just going to set myself to the back and, and my desires, my, my own wants and to move forward and to serve other people. To be about helping other people, to be about helping uh, reach out to that person that is in need, that person that, 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 is, that is struggling, to serve in the name of what God desires for our life. Stepping forward right from that, in verse 20, it says, Yet I never shrank from telling you the truth, either publicly or in your homes. This is powerful, powerful, powerful stuff, I think. Because what he's telling them here, he's saying, guys, I was the same when I was standing on a stage at First Baptist Ruston talking to a group of 400 people as I was when I was just with you at your house hanging out with you as friends. He's saying there was no, there's, there's, my goal was that for that my, there to be no difference in me when I was in public being seen by everybody or when I was with my close friends doing my thing, when nobody else would see. I think that what Paul is saying here is he's calling us to say, guys, it is time for us to live and be genuine. It is time for us to live and be genuine because when we, when we take a look at our lives, it is really easy for us to live double standards, two-faced. It's easy for me. It's easy for me to, to stand in church on Sunday and to shake everybody's hands. God bless you. God bless you. And then when I'm by myself or when I'm with close friends for, for to say, oh, anything goes. And I'm not, talking about, I'm not talking about going and selling crack on the corner. But I'm just saying just, just, just what I call letting Josh come out. I don't want that for me this year. You know, I wanted this to be a gradual process. So my question for you is this, taking a look at your lives. I'm not, I'm not saying you're doing this, you're doing this. I'm just asking questions. Are you the same person on church on Sunday morning in your connection group class when you're talking about your connection group lesson as you are at work on Monday morning when you're hanging out with people that you see all week long? Are you the same person on Sunday morning when you're at church as you are when you're at, house, at the house and everybody's gone? Students, are you the same person on, at church and in your connection group on Sunday morning as you are when you're walking down the halls with your friends at school 
or you're at baseball or softball practice or football practice. God, God intends for us to have an incredible life. He has great plans for us. Jeremiah 29 tells us that, that God has incredible plans for us. God does not plan, God's desire is not for us to live beside a rock, sitting there shaking, scared that we're going to do something wrong, but he desires for us to live genuinely. Let's live genuinely. Let's step into verse 22. It says, now, and I'm going to Jerusalem, drawn there. I'm sorry, I missed, I missed it. Let's go to verse 21. I'm, I apologize. I have had one message for Jews and Gentiles alike. The necessity of turning from our sin and turning to God and a faith in our Lord Jesus. There's something huge going on here. And it's the third thing that I would tell you. Don't live your life biasedly. Don't be biased this year. It is really, really easy. Whether you may, you may say, I'm not prejudiced. I don't differentiate between black or white or yellow or, 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 or someone that's got red skin. I'm not, I'm not prejudiced, but, but my question is, are you biased? Do you look and say, this person has the, you know, it's, if, if somebody came up to you that had nothing, that walked up to you and, and, and was coming up to talk to you, would your first thought be, I wonder what this person wants? This person is wanting some money for something. What if we took and looked at people as people, looked at people through the eyes of God? This is what Paul's saying. He, he, was a Jew, he called himself the Jew of Jews. He was born into the Jewish lineage. He was a high-ranking polit, uh, uh, spiritual leader, political leader. He, he, was the, he was the Jewish man. And the Jews did look down on the Gentiles, and they looked at this salvation as being for them, not for the Gentiles. And Paul said... He, I believe he looked at John three sixteen and said, For God so loved the world, the sum total of all creation, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And he said, This gospel that we are living out is for Jews and Gentiles alike. Guys, it is time for us to step up and start. You know, we say, Oh, Ruston is a sweet town. I'm going to tell you, and, and you know this, Ruston has a lot of prejudice in it. It's time that people at First Baptist Ruston sitting in these pews right now start stamping that out. I'm going to stand up here and say that unapologetically, and you can put that I said that over anything that you want to. It's time that we start stamping that out, starting with the people that are in this room right now. And it's only going to start from a group of people that, 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 are, that are Christ-centered. I encourage you to do that. We're fixing to shift gears. Real quick, two last things. We're going to shift gears, and now we're shifting gears to a vertical. Paul, Paul starts shifting his statements to a God and man point of view. He starts shifting his statements to a God and man point of view in verse 22 now. It said, and now I'm going to Jerusalem, drawn there is irresistibly by the Holy Spirit, not knowing what awaits me, except that the Holy Spirit has told me in city after city that jail and suffering lie ahead. Paul didn't get the best news in the world from the Holy Spirit. Paul knows that wherever he goes, he's going to be put in jail for sharing the gospel. He's going to be beat. He's going to be hungry. He's going to be misaccused. He's going to be, his name is going to be slandered. But even over his comfort, even over his what he would desire, 
If, 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 if God told you in this room right now and said, I want you to go live for me and I want you to go live in the Northeast and I want you to be a multimillionaire and then with your Christmas card that you send out, put God loves you and that was your calling in life, that would be a pretty easy calling. I mean, I'll be honest, I could do that and do it really, really well. All right, I could be a great rich guy, but for whatever reason, God never wants me to be a rich guy. And, um, but, but Paul's was the opposite. Paul, he's saying, Paul, you're going to have probably the most terrible life that you could ever imagine. And he said, now I want you to go do it. And in this, Paul said, this is what I'm going to do. In 2014, when we're walking in, one of the biggest difference makers that is going to determine if God uses you as an individual is this, is this thing. Are you going to be willing to listen and obey? Are you going to be willing to listen and obey? Because we can have everything going on on the horizontal, but if you're not willing to listen to God and obey God, no matter what the situation is, God, God can't use you. And I hope that all of our desires for God to use us Stepping into it, one last thing. Verse 24. It says, but my life is worth nothing. Get that. My life is worth nothing unless I use it for doing the work assigned to me by the Lord Jesus. My life is worth nothing unless I do what Christ wants me to do. The only way that you can honestly make that statement right there, that is a huge statement. The only way that you can honestly make that one statement and be truthful about it is if God's plan is the number one priority in your life. If God's plan for you is the number one priority in your life, that is the only way that you can make that statement that nothing else matters. You know what I've learned, you know, even though I don't like putting together dollhouses, I love my little girl more than, I just, I can't imagine. I never, everybody always told me, they said, Josh, you won't understand how you can love somebody until you have a kid. And I was like, yeah, but I, you know, I love people and I can figure that out. And, and, I, and, and they were right. I couldn't understand how I could love somebody, but... As much as I love Addie, if I'm placing Addie and her desires and her wants and her, even her needs above my desire to serve Christ, I'm sinning. I'm in the wrong. I love my wife. I don't know why in the world she even would marry me. And uh, besides that, I'm one stinking good-looking guy. And I mean, she needed some arm candy, and I am that. I'm a big piece of arm candy. And... Uh, but I, I, I love my wife. Guys, if I place my wife's desires and my wife's wants and my wife's needs above my priority to serve God, I'm sinning. I'm wrong. Where, where, where is God in your priority list right now? Where is God in your priority list? Let's talk honestly about this little, this little picture. You have a baseline for your horizontal, how you deal man to man. Then you have your vertical that Paul is talking about, listening and obeying God and God's plan and God's priority. They both form lines, right? If anything is missing off of any level, horizontal or vertical, that line is incomplete. 
If that line is incomplete, now follow me here, if that line is incomplete, you lose one thing, and it's that intersection. If you don't have a complete line, you lose the intersection. You lose the point where they meet together. And I'm going to tell you what happens at that point. At that intersection, at that point, at the, at the crossing of the cross right there, is the spot where God is able to use us in the boldest way possible. I know a lot of people that do pretty good with God. They, they, they are loving God. They're in church. They're having quiet time. They're, 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 they're trying to listen and obey, but they are jerks to be around. And they're, they're missing the horizontal. They don't deal with people properly. They're, 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 a lot of times they're not genuine. And you lose that line, and so you lose that intersection. I know a lot of people, and this is probably one of the saddest things to me. I, I meet guys, especially a lot of times, that don't have anything, and they'll tell you, I don't have anything to do with God. And a lot of times they are some of the nicest guys you've ever met. And you'll hear men say, yeah, he doesn't, he doesn't do much with God. He doesn't believe in God, but he's one of, he'd give you the shirt off his back. And they're right. He's got the horizontal, but down. But that vertical, that God and man thing, is, is completely gone and there's no intersection. What happens at the intersection? Last half of the verse, in verse 24. But my life is worth nothing unless I use it for doing the work assigned to me by the Lord Jesus. The work of telling others the good news about God's wonderful kindness and love. When we get to that spot where the cross is there and we get to that intersection and we've got both of those things complete and those things are where they are supposed to be, something very, very powerful and it's supernatural happens. Brian, if you'll throw that back on the screen. We're able to share the gospel. We're able to complete the life lesson, the, the sole task that God has laid out for us and that is to make Christians. And Brian, you don't have to put it on the screen, but in Matthew, it gives a, we see the Great Commission, and Jesus says, I want you, he's telling the same thing that Paul, he's given the last words to his disciples, just like the Paul has given the last words to these, uh, to these Ephesian leaders, and he's saying, I want you to go out into the world and make disciples. Tell them about me. Make disciples. Baptize them in my name. That's the last thing that he wants them to grab because that is what Christianity is all about is making disciples. The only way you can make disciples is for somebody to tell them. The only way somebody can tell them is if they are following God. And the only way they're going to follow God is if they are spending time with them. My question for you as a group and myself as an individual, what is, what is 2014 going to look like? I'll be honest with you, I don't want to go through another year of just the same old, same old. I, I don't want to go through another year that this is what we do, this is how we do it. We come to church on Sundays, we go to students come to church on, you know, on Wednesday nights. I don't want to go through another same old, same old. I want to see God completely and powerfully work in our midst, and I believe that we've been seeing that in this church. I encourage you to keep the torch going to keep it alive. A group that impacts people starts as an individual that gets himself or herself right. You know, I was thinking about this dollhouse the whole time I was working on it. 
And, uh, and I, was, I was putting everything together. And, uh, and Brian, you can just leave that on the screen for now. Uh, the whole time I was working on it, I was looking at it. I was like, this dollhouse is pretty. It's got shingles or metal shingle roof looking thing. And it's got a nice kitchen and a plastic bed. It's even got a Barbie toilet that's in there. And, and, uh, but there's no privacy for Barbie, which is really weird to me. It's just all open, you know. And it's got all of these things. It's even got a glass elevator because everybody has a glass elevator in their house. And it slides up and down, and you can take them to the first and second floor. It's got all of this stuff. But in the end, it's just, it's just cardboard, and they call it bio wood. That's another, that's, another, that's another word for hard paper. And it's just all put together. I'm going to be honest. It took a long time to put together, and dollhouses aren't cheap. But in a year of playing with it, the thing is going to be beat to pieces, right? It's going to be the second floor. Barbie's going to be able to jump from the third floor straight to the first floor because the second floor is gone and the dog ate it. There's going to be nothing substantial about this cardboard dollhouse. The whole time I was building it, I was thinking, as long as this is taken to put these pink screws into the holes where the pink paper is and on and on, I could build a dollhouse out of wood. I could sit there on a table saw and rip it out and put together a dollhouse. And not only would that dollhouse be built, but it would be something that would be built that would be substantial, that would stand the test of time. My fear is that for so many people, if we're not careful, we are building our lives into a paper dollhouse that has pretty shingles, it has great walls, it's got a glass elevator, everything looks good. It's like, look at this, how good it's looking, our Christian life, look at me, I have had perfect attendance. It's kind of like when you, if you remember when you were a kid, I grew up in a country church. If you grew up in a country church, it was kind of, you always got the offering bulletin, whether you had any offer, I mean the offering envelope every morning at Sunday school. And if, even if you didn't have an offering, it had all these things that you could check. Did I read my Bible every day? Did I bring my Bible to church? Did I bring offering? Did I do this? Did I do this? Did I do this? And it was all these checks. And the goal was to be able to check everything every Sunday morning. But you couldn't lie about it because you knew God would like punish you if you lied about it, that you read your Bible. And you felt so good if you were able to check all of those things. The trouble is sometimes, if we're not careful, we're building a paper dollhouse. But what God is saying, he said, guys, before we try to go elaborate, before we try to have glass elevators, let's get a structure that's worth using. Before I try to put glass elevators in your life and toilets, you know, Barbie toilets, let's, let's get a structure that's worth using. I'm going to tell you, in a, in a few years, it may look worn, it's going to have some dents and it's going to have some dings and it's going to, that wooden dollhouse is going to have some scrapes on it and it's probably going to have some marker drawings on it and, 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 and dog chewing on the corner. But the structure is going to be strong because it was built solidly. And you'll be able to look back and laugh and, and, and remember all of those marks and where they came from because those marks are what gave you character and it's what you learned from and it's what, you, what defined who you were in life. Let's start off right for 2014. What I'm going to challenge you to do this morning is something a little bit different. This morning, 
I challenge you to take a look honestly at your life. See where you are. See, see what this, how this speaks to you. I challenge you to use this morning as a launch pad for 2014. To say, hey, maybe my life is going really, really good right now, but I just want to come before God this morning and say, I'm going to do everything possible to take a look at my life and make sure my core, make sure my structure is the way that you want it to be. Maybe you want to grab your husband or wife. Maybe you want to, moms and dads, maybe you want to grab your kids. I, I encourage you to come and to, just to, to gather around the, the, the stage to be able to get up in a corner or just get scooted over on a pew somewhere to where you can honestly come together as a, as a family or a couple or maybe it's for you an individual and say, I'm going to use today as a launch pad. The last thing I'll tell you is this. The only way that you can use today as a launch pad is that if you have Christ as your Savior in your life. Some of you sitting in here this morning may be looking and saying, you know what, I've been building a paper dollhouse all my life. A lot of times people will die with the paper dollhouse for a life because they've never, because they let pride get in the way of them giving their lives completely to Christ. If that's you, don't walk out of here. Don't walk, don't walk out of these doors without giving your life to Christ. You can talk to a minister. We're going to pray in a moment together. But make a solid commitment today. Let's stand together. If you will, bow your heads. If you've never given your life to Christ, you can do so by simply saying, God, I admit to you that I'm a sinner and that I failed you. God, I believe that Christ died on the cross for me. And right now, the best way I know how, I want to give you my life, my broken, messed up life. I want to give it to you with everything that I know how. Save me today. If you will, just keep your heads bowed. Here in just a moment, Justin's going to play. If you want to sing, you can. I encourage you to grab, grab somebody and, and spend some time in prayer. Launching into 2014 the, the way God wants us to. Respond to God now.